This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Welcome to The Final Curtain. Ordinary New Zealanders telling their stories about death. I'm Shirley Welsh, host of Death Cafe Dunedin, where people meet in all sorts of places to drink tea, eat cake and discuss death. In this program, we break the taboo around talking about death and hear firsthand from New Zealanders about their experiences and their perspectives. Claire's mum died at 95. Claire describes her death as the wonderful death she deserved. Today I'm talking to Claire to find out about her mum's life and what made her death wonderful. Claire, describe your mum generally. Well, she she was a wonderful person really. She was she was 95. She'd lived this wonderful life. She was she was incredibly content um with her life. She was very serene. She was a happy person. She was kind. Yeah. She had her foibles. She was quite opinionated. We didn't always see eye to eye. But she was she was somebody I really admired. And yeah, she was the she was the matriarch of the family, of a big family, of of the big extended Fano. Now you described her as being in the prime of her life at 95. <laughs> Usually one wouldn't think of being in the prime <laughs> of one's life that late. Well, you know, it was kind of it came to me a day or two after she died when I was feeling this enormous sense of loss. And it was you know she was just she was still um so involved with the family she was still enjoying life um and she just seemed to have reached she seemed to have reached a pinnacle in her life where she could she had all the hindsight the benefit of you know living this long life and she she she'd achieved all this wisdom and i i still felt she was giving so much of herself to everybody she knew So what were her living circumstances? Well, she you know, she'd never been she she she, she wasn't a, a very wealthy person and she lived but she was still living in the family home that she and my father had bought about 50 years ago. It wasn't, you know, it was a fairly humble house and she 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 really didn't want to go into a rest home. So she decided years before that she didn't want to go and then at about 85 she decided she was really too old to move now and so she yeah she she was living at home with a a companion really who was just there overnight and giving her a little bit of assistance but she was still very much the lady of her house and running her household as she always had Now she was living in South Africa and you're in New Zealand. So when did you last spend time with your mum and what was it like? We were lucky enough my husband and I to have a year. We took a sabbatical um having planned to do it for many years and then my husband's father actually died and we thought well we don't have that much time my mother was you know in her um early 90s then we we thought we really need to if we're going to go and back and live with her for a while we need to do it now so in 2018 we went back for 9 months and we lived with her um which was wonderful and you know it really 
um, enhanced her life and ours, actually. And then I was lucky enough to go back. So we left there um, after that extended stay in the, at the beginning of 2019. And actually, I went back again in September, October 2019. So exactly a year ago, really. And I spent another fortnight with her, just just hanging out, which was wonderful. And in fact, I had planned to go again in May. That was that was the idea. I was I was turning sixty, um, and I had planned to go and spend my sixtieth birthday with my mother. But of course, that wasn't to be because of COVID. And then, in fact, she died on the twenty fifth of April. So, what was her health like before she died? She always said she was fine, just old. Those were her, that's the way she described her health. And in fact, she was very lucky in that she was, she was generally well. She, she did use a stick when she went out, um, but she was otherwise pretty mobile. Her memory was sometimes a little bit shonky, but generally she was pretty good in many ways, better than mine in some respects. Um, certainly remembering the old days. Um, but generally her, her health was very good. She had developed a, a, a quite a severe anemia, which they they never really fully got to the bottom of, but they thought was probably um, related to her bone marrow really just wearing out. And she was requiring blood transfusions every month or so. Initially it had been every few months and then the, the, the anemia was reoccurring quite rapidly and she was having to go into the hospital for a transfusion every month or six weeks. And did she continue having those transfusions right up until the time she died? She Well, that was the plan and she, you know, about... Um, um, after the last one before she died, which was probably about a month before she died, she um, she hadn't particularly enjoyed the experience. It required an overnight stay in hospital. And she had said to my brother-in-law, who's a, a doctor, in fact, a palliative care doctor, she had said to him, um, do you think Claire will be really upset if she never gets to see me again? And my brother-in-law had said yes. <laughs> so she said, fine, I will continue to have the blood transfusions. Um, but in fact, on the, the, a few days bef- uh, on the day she died, actually, so a few days before she was due to go in for, the, for her next transfusion, she had actually phoned my sister, who lived nearby, and, say, and was going to take her up for the transfusion, and had said, look, I'm not going to have another transfusion. It's just too hard. So describe her last days. She, um, well, she she woken up, and I think had felt a little bit tired. So, in fact, had phoned my sister and given her this news that she decided she wasn't going to have any more transfusions. Um, and my sister, who they were in quite a tight lockdown, my sister had said, "Well, look, I'm going to come and spend the weekend with you anyway." This was the Friday morning in South Africa. She was. My sister said she would come and spend the weekend as they planned. She didn't need to have the transfusion on the Monday, but my sister would just be there with her um, anyway. And my mother was very pleased about that. She then, um, a, a cousin phoned, one of my cousins phoned, and just to check out how she was. And 
my, my mother, whose name was Noel, actually, she, she said to my cousin, well, she, she was feeling a little bit lazy and she, would, she thought she might just have um, a day in bed. Um, in fact, she didn't have the day in bed um, um, completely. She did get up, and, um, but had a, had a quiet day. Um, and um, then in the evening, after the carer had actually already gone off to her bedroom, my mother was just um, in the bathroom brushing her teeth when she suddenly became very breathless. And then what happened? Well, she she managed to call, um, you know, get the attention of the carer. His name was Kirby. Um, and Kirby got her into bed. And my mom, I think, realized she was dying and said, call my girls. Um, I don't want to die alone. So... Um, Kobe did that and my sisters arrived broke the lockdowns uh, with good excuse to get to their mom um, and found my mom quite distressed in her bed um, with with difficulty breathing now fortunately as I said my brother-in-law who was with my sister um, is a palliative care doctor and he'd come prepared with a little bag of, of medications and was able to give her some morphine which um, was pretty quickly settled her breathing and uh, um, she, I think she was quite comfortable and once, once she was comfortable um, they phoned me in New Zealand. And so describe that conversation. So it was, it was Anzac morning here and um, you know I think if it hadn't been the lockdown I would probably not have been contactable, I would probably have been out of my batch at Lake Coleridge but it was lockdown Anzac morning got this phone call and my brother-in-law just very simply said your mom's very breathless would you like to talk to her and I you know I have a medical background so I immediately knew that something something serious was up so I left out of bed rushed downstairs to get my iPad so I could see my mom and indeed um when we were connected, I could see she was she was really I could see she was dying. She was a little bit breathless, and and yeah, she looked like she was dying. Were you able to engage with her? Yes, I mean the wonderful thing was she um, she was still fully conscious and um, aware of what was going on, and uh, you know immediately in her usual way was you know, interested in how I was, asked me how I was. I told her it was Anzac Day and, uh, you know, um, she asked me about Anzac Day and she obviously had, um, well, she had family members who'd been in the First World War and asked me, you know, about the relevance of Anzac Day to us New Zealanders. So she was really, she was still, you know, very, very engaged with what was happening. It was it was quite wonderful. She, she you know, I, she was breathless. It was an effort for her, but she always made an effort. You know, so she was just doing her usual thing. So she could see you on your iPad, and you could see her clearly. Yes. So she could see me, and I could see her, and I could see my sisters in the room, um, and my mom's little cat Freya, who was. Prowling around, so I felt very connected. I, it was it was wonderful for you know. I'm very thankful for 
modern technology because I really felt I was there with them. I was part of this whole thing. Now, you described to me that there was an event that foreshadowed her dying. Tell us about that. Well, actually, there were a few little events that foreshadowed her dying because actually a few days before she died, my husband had arrived home on his bicycle at dusk and there was an owl in, a, in one of our trees. Now, we never see owls. It was a barn owl. They're mm. very rare. Mm. Um, but there was a barn owl sitting in the tree and it just, they had a look up at it and then it swooped away um, calling as barn owls, screeching really as barn owls do. It was, it was a remarkable sighting. I mean, mm. one just doesn't really see, see owl, barn owls here on the South Island. But then actually on, the, on the, that day as she was dying, I had gone outside because, um, you know, I, I, it was hard. She was clearly dying, but it was hard to know exactly how long this was going to take. It was a beautiful morning on Anzac morning. And I'd, I'd gone outside with the iPad and I'd, 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 sh- I'd turned the camera so my mother could see the beautiful harbour in Littleton and the autumn flowers and... Um, it was just gorgeous. And I'd come back in then and was sitting, closed the doors and was sitting sitting in the lounge. And we were, my mother by then had actually lapsed into unconsciousness. And we were all just, my sisters and I were sitting together talking, talking to my mother, thinking she may still be able to hear us, talking to each other, reminiscing, talking about my father who died you know, about 20 years before. And all of a sudden a little fantail appeared in the lounge. Mm. It, uh, presumably it had come in when I'd gone outside earlier. Um, but it appeared in the lounge and it, flutter, it wasn't distressed. It just fluttered onto the top of the sash window and sat there, looked at me. And I said to my mom and my sisters, gosh, there's a little fantail. I'm just going to let it out. And I lifted the window and the fantail fluttered out. And about... Three minutes later, my mom breathed her last. That's extraordinary. It was extraordinary. It was just, it was wonderful. It was, it was so, so wonderful. Did your mum get a chance to talk to any of her grandchildren before she died? You know, she was a very proud grandmother of nine. Um, Now, I warned my children that she had been deteriorating in the few um, weeks leading up to it. And I said, look, I think you need to communicate with her. Um, and they'd all done that, except my youngest, who had planned to talk to her the night before and then had said to me, gosh, I didn't get to talk to Gaggy, which is what they called her, because I'd forgotten that the clock had gone back and it was too late, but I've set my alarm to talk to her tonight. So when all this started, I realized to my dismay that Abigail had missed her chance to to talk to her grandmother and there was not going to be another chance so fortunately we managed to get hold of Abigail um, which was extraordinary because she's a late sleeper but we managed to, to wake her on that Anzac morning she managed to get onto my sister's phone in Cape Town and she did talk to her grandmother who was still able to talk to her again as I say really interested in Abigail what she was doing what she was planning to do which is um, she's planning to go to teacher's college but my mother was a teacher so she loved that and they had a little conversation for about five minutes so that that was absolutely wonderful What happened after your mum died? Sorry, repeat that Shirley? What happened after your mum died? 
Well, you know, we all just... A, a few of the, the, the Cape Town grandchildren actually all arrived just after she died and sat with her. They, um, there was some expensive, delicious Cape wine. We all... Uh, in Cape Town and, and Des and I in, in New Zealand, we, we had a toast to her. We... Um, and then um, she, they, by then it, actually it was quite late in the evening, or, or that Friday evening in Cape Town, and they they decided that they would just leave her in her in her bed in her bedroom. She lived, as I say, in that house for fifty years, and they all spent the night there. The little her little cat Freya curled up next to her and slept with her body. And um, and the next morning, they they got in contact with the funeral directors. So it was all very peaceful and calm. Did you hold a funeral for her? You know, of course, it was the lockdown, so that was that was problematic. Um, and she was she she was a, a churchgoer, and of course, she was one of the elders in the church. Um, so normally there would have been a, a big funeral, um, also with you know a scattered large family, um, but of course that wasn't to be. Um, but we did have a funeral. We had a lovely funeral. There were nine people at the funeral, plus the organist and the the priest, and then scattered around the globe, um, a grandson in the Caribbean and one in Canada, and some of us in New Zealand, the, the rest of the family in New Zealand, we all um, we all tuned in on a, to a Zoom funeral, actually, which was quite a bizarre um, situation with, you know, the, the mourners in the church all wearing masks. Um, but in the end, it was, it was a beautiful funeral, and, and we'll have a big memorial celebration at some point in the future when things return a little bit more to normal. So you, I understand now why you describe your mum's death as the wonderful death she deserved. Yeah, it was it was wonderful. And one of the, the other little quirks was, you know, when I was walking outside with my iPad showing her the beautiful view and the flowers in the garden, I, I walked past the patch of violets and there was, I could just smell the violets. And I said to her, oh, mum, the violets, they smell so gorgeous. And she said, ah, oh, violets. And actually, those really were her last words. After that, she said, I, I, yeah, I'm tired. I, I want to have a sleep. And, and that's when she, she drifted into unconsciousness. So really, given that one has to die, um, she, she really did have the most wonderful, peaceful death after a wonderful, long, fulfilling life. What more really can one ask? That's right. What would she have had to say about her own death? You know, she was quite... She liked things to be done nicely. You know, she was a lady, and she, she was a gracious lady. And I think she would have been very happy and just a little bit proud of the way <laughs> she had... That she departed this world just for such grace and dignity and really so beautifully. Clear, many of us fear dying, but you describe a death that was timely and natural and peaceful and not to be feared. 
So thank you so much for sharing your story. My pleasure, Shirley. You've been listening to The Final Curtain, ordinary New Zealanders telling their stories about death. Podcasts from this series are available online at oar.org.nz and from the accessmedia.nz app. At Death Café Dunedin, the conversation continues. You can join that conversation by listening to other New Zealanders tell their stories about death and, if you want to, by sharing yours. Look for Death Café Dunedin on Facebook for updates and meeting times. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.